Christian Singapore podcast. Hey everybody, Pastor Josh here. So excited to get to share the Meditate time with you, the very first Meditate of 2023. And I'm excited to be talking about miracles. To tell you the truth, I wasn't excited to talk about miracles when we first got the news that every nation around the globe, uh, we're all going to be sharing this sermon series about miracles and how miracles are one way that we make Jesus known around the world is his miracle power working in our lives, changing, healing, doing amazing things. And that sounds great, but on a personal level, what hit my mind to begin with was just these thoughts of all the times we were praying for miracles and we haven't yet seen or didn't see miracles in this life. And I was thinking about people who've lost loved ones. I was thinking about uh, things that in my own life I'm praying and believing for and we haven't seen the breakthrough yet. And just wondering, does the Bible still teach us? And in our lives and in our experience now, are we still to believe for? Are we still to reach out for? Are we still to expect the miraculous power of God to be active, to be moving, to be doing things in our families, in our personal lives, in our community, in the world? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, But how we get there is the challenge that we want to face together. And we really want to press in and pray about and seek God for his power to see the miraculous happen in our lives. Uh, So as we're entering into that this year, the verse that I really want to share with you and a story I want to share with you comes from John chapter 5, and it goes like this. Uh, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Okay, Uh, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, excuse me. And so he's going up for feast. So he's just doing his normal life. Now, after what? It says after this. He's been healing people. Uh, Remember, he met this woman uh, at a well, this woman from Samaria at a well. And they had this great discussion about Jesus really being uh, the life of God. And that if you know him, you know life. And him uh, being the one who can enable us to worship the Father in spirit and truth. And now he's been healing. He's been serving. He's been showing the love of God. And now he comes to this place. And he goes to this place where there's a pool uh, in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, this place called Bethesda. And it has five porches. And so this is a picture of that area that's been excavated and where it was. And basically it's a place where water would have collected and there's this natural pool. And then they built up around it these, uh, it says porches or porticos. It's places where people could gather. Uh, and it goes on in the Bible to say this, that in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the move of the water. Now, some versions of your Bible don't have verse four. Uh, some older versions like uh, New King James, for example, or King James, uh, explain this verse three, this way. Uh, they say the reason they're waiting for the moving of the water is uh, an angel would go down at certain times into the pool, stir up the water, and whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. So if you can imagine it, the way I see it is like all these people who, who have desperate needs or they're really wanting something and they're just waiting around. And then when the water stirs, whoever can get over there and jump in first is the one who gets healed. Uh, the only illustration I could think of in my own life is like playing the lottery or playing here in Singapore. We talk about Singapore pools. It's like, uh, I'm so desperate for financial need or whatever need I might have that yes, maybe it's only a one in a million or even more, one in a billion shot. Uh, but I'm just reaching out because it's my only hope. It's the only way. And so all these sick people are there and there's very limited chance. There's very limited resource that they really can get healed. But what else are they going to do? They see no other place to go. They see no other hope in their life. There's nowhere that they can cling to. There's no place to find a chance to really see new life and a chance to see um, them become everything that they want to become, whether that's healing or whether that whatever it is in our lives. And so all these uh, people with various diseases and illnesses are there. 
And it says this, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is backing up a moment. I talked about how I was struggling with the idea of even sharing about miracles. Like, do we want to believe? Do we want to stand? Because you reflect on the years we haven't seen the miracles yet. And there's people I know who have been fighting the same challenges in their marriage and the same challenges in their uh, financial situation, the same challenges in their health situation for year after year after year. And it's easy when we read the Bible to read over this very short verse very quickly. Uh, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Okay, next. But when we think about 38 years, we're talking about 456 months. We're talking about 1,983 weeks. We're talking about 13,879 days. Can you imagine you're waking up day 5,337 of being paralyzed, of being sick with no hope, with no direction to go? We're talking about 333,108 hours of suffering. It's real. We have a God who does miracles. We have a God who changes lives. But the reality is sometimes we go on journeys where, where things we think desperately need to be healed right now don't get healed right now, haven't been healed right now, haven't happened yet. In the midst of 38 years of waiting, 333,000 hours of waiting, Jesus arrives. And he says this, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he'd already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, when I first read this, I thought, what a silly question. Do I want to be made well? I've been lying here for 38 years. Are you kidding me? Do, do I want to be made well? If I was the paralyzed man in this story, I'd almost be offended. What are you even asking me? Do I want to be made well? Of course I want to be made well. What's Jesus after here? And I think it's very informative that right before he says, do you want to be made well? He says this, he knew he had already been in this condition a long time. There's things in our lives we've learned to live with. There's crippling, broken things about us. Maybe it's a temper. Maybe it's a gossipy tongue. Maybe it's, um, you know, different things for different people and different individual challenges that we live with. Maybe it's just being okay with sickness or illness or brokenness or our uh, relational breakdowns, and we just get so used to living with it, we haven't even thought about wanting to be made well. And if someone was to ask us, it's almost like, don't bring it up, man. That The pain and even to think, to hope, to have the possibility of a healing, I don't even want to deal with that. And so I want to stop and ask us this question. Do you want to be made well? Do I want to be made well? Is there that thing in me that I know doesn't honor God, doesn't help my family, doesn't make my wife feel safe. That deep down I know God wants to deal with that. God wants to heal that. God wants to move. God wants to give me a miracle of change. Do I really want to be made well? Do I really want to face that pain? Do I really want to face the disappointments of times in the past? I prayed about that thing and I haven't seen healing yet, or I haven't seen breakthrough yet, or I haven't seen uh, the, 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 you know, holding on to. I was talking to a friend recently who's believing for, for having a child. And, you know, it's month after month after month. Get your hopes up, disappointed. Get your hopes up, get disappointed. Get your hopes up, disappointed. Is there any place for us to go to be made well? Should we believe again? Because sometimes it's easier just not to care anymore than to actually believe. So let's take a minute uh, as people, maybe just a few seconds here, and just ask ourselves this question. Do I want to be made well?
maybe you can think about something in your own life that you know you need to be made well in that situation. Are you willing to believe God again? Maybe you believed God, you believed God, you believed God. Are you willing to believe God again? The man's response when Jesus asked this is very telling to me. He says this, The sick man answered and said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps in before me. Imagine that you're paralyzed. You can't get in. You see the water stir, but someone else is going to run in by the time you're trying to get over there. There's always someone in my way. Somebody else is stealing my blessing. It's not fair. Uh, Somebody else is getting the benefit that I should have got. Somebody else got the promotion I should have got. Somebody else got the husband or wife that I should have got. We're looking at others rather than looking at God. And when we were discussing this as a ministry team, uh, Vicky, uh, one of our ministers, made a great comment. He asked the question. He's like, you know, we could look at this as the guy's complaining or he's making excuses, right? We could just frame this as, hey, don't make excuses. Come on, move forward. He is making an excuse in a way, but there's another way to look at it. He has a genuine problem and he's being honest about his genuine limitations. Hey, you're asking me if I want to be made well. I can't figure out a way to do that. The only way I know to do that is get in that pool and I can't do that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the tools. I don't have the capacity to be made well. And I love what Jesus says to him. Jesus said to him, rise. Uh, If you're here in Singapore, we're doing our rise event on January 14th and 15th. and, And I'm looking forward to that because the whole point of it is to hear Jesus tell us to rise. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't say, well, here's why you had to go through these 38 years of torment. Jesus didn't say to him, you know, here's how I can explain why it's really okay and other people suffer more than you, or let me explain the details of your journey. Let me um, answer all your theological or philosophical questions about why you've gone through this suffering, about why you've gone through this pain. Jesus just says one word, rise. Rise is more than enough. And I'm praying that we would hear in 2023 the voice of our Savior calling to us and telling us it's time to rise. It's time to move forward. It's time to get healed. It's time to hear that voice. And then he says this, he follows up with, take up your bed and walk. There's a lot of conjecture. Why did he tell him to take up his bed? It's an interesting question. We might get into that in just a second, but I love the man's response. At once, the man was cured. He picked up the mat and he walked. He, with whatever little faith he had, when God, when Jesus spoke to him, He received it by faith and he went, yes, if you tell me to rise, I will rise. I cannot imagine for 38 years you've tried to rise and you can't. Every day waking up, next day, next day, next day. And yet he's still something inside him burned enough to go, I'm willing to take the chance that if this is really from God, if this word is really from God, I'm going to cling to it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to get up. And then it says that he picked up his mat and he walked. Now, why did Jesus have him pick up his mat? There's different, again, as I mentioned, conjectures on why that might be. Uh, one reason I really, really like that one commentator mentions is he says he needed him to pick up the mat so he wouldn't be tempted to go back there. So often we're tempted to go back to our place because it's comfortable even if it's suffering, even if it's ugly, even if it's broken, even if it's the wrong place, even if it's the limiting place, sometimes we go back to the place that's comfortable rather than walking forward into the new thing God has. So I love that as an idea. Uh, One of the results of him picking up his mat and walking is what happens in the next verse. Picks up his mat and walks, 
And it says the day on which he did this was a Sabbath. Now you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders see him and say, uh, it's the Sabbath law forbids you to carry your mat. You're not supposed to be working and carrying that mat was a way to work. Interesting, they didn't say, hey, pretty cool that 38 years paralyzed guy, you're standing up and walking. Wow, that's amazing. They didn't say that. They said, what are you doing breaking the law? He replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So now they ask him a good question, right? Who is this fellow who told you to pick up the mat and walk? And this is one of the places where I don't think we want to model this paralyzed man in our own lives and in our own reaction to the work of God in our lives. Uh, the man received when Jesus told him to get up and walk. But it's interesting what it says about his understanding of God. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. I'm praying this year we wouldn't just pray for God to get us out of our problems. You know, being someone who's followed Jesus for a, 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 quite a while now, I don't want to say how many years exactly because I'm you know, starting to feel bad about that number. But um, over the years, you run into people who go through desperate situations. And all of a sudden, they're at church every time the doors are open. All of a sudden, they're calling you and praying with you and reading their Bible and trying to do all these things. But as soon as the crisis that they're walking into gets God deals with that, get, gets them out of that tremendous debt. We've seen that. A guy get out of tremendous debt, you don't see him anymore. A person who lost their job was in a desperate situation, gets the job, and they forget about the God who gave them the job. Somebody gets healed of a terminal illness and forgets about the God who healed them and just focuses on their life now that they're healed. I want to plead with us that we wouldn't just be people who want God to perform miracles for us, or even that we would be people who would go out in the love and power of God and perform miracles for others, but we would always have those moments draw us into deeper connection with a relationship with Jesus. He's after knowing him, not just knowing his acts. Not just, It says that um, the people in Israel generally knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. He understood the relationship. And that's where the power really lies. That's the part that changes you inside out. That's the part that gives you hope. That's the part that gives you life. But he had no idea. So later Jesus says who he is and they tell the, the, the religious leaders. And so now, um, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Once they find out who it is, they don't find out who it is so they can praise God for him. They don't find out who it is so that they can encourage him and, and, and find out where this power came from and go, hey, we want to heal the sick too. We want to be used by God to help people who are hurting. We want to um, be people who cause change and justice to flow and all these wonderful things to happen. They want to persecute him for not obeying the rule. Jesus in his defense says something interesting. My father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. It's interesting. As soon as he said that, they realized he was talking about God and they got really angry about it. They got angry that he said that God was his father. It says this, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So if you've ever asked, is Jesus really God or claimed to be God? All the people around him thought he was claiming to be God, reacted to him like he was claiming to be God, even tried to kill him because they thought he was claiming to be God. Uh, but in this setting, I think Jesus is saying something very clear. If God the Father is always working to bring hope and to bring life and to bring health and to bring freedom and to bring um, good and love, shouldn't the rest of us be doing that? And, and why would we react to the power of God uh, flowing with persecution, with attacks? And the truth is because they didn't do it our way. 
when I read verses like this, I tend to go, look at those horrible religious people over there. Man, they are awful. Aren't they the worst? They don't celebrate the thing God's doing. They don't celebrate the victory God's giving. They don't celebrate the miracles God's doing. What's sad to report is in my own heart and in my own life sometimes, if someone's being used by God, but it's a different way than I'm used to, they don't use my tools, they don't say it my way, they don't emphasize the things I want to emphasize. Sometimes I can tend to position myself to judge what they're doing rather than to honor God, to praise God for what they're doing. Yes, not just blindly take everything or everyone who claims to be from God, but ultimately not seating myself in the position of judgment, but really seeking the Lord. God, show me how we can tap in to that same power. God, show me how we can represent you on the earth in that same way. God, give me the hunger and the desire to live out this Christian existence in a way that really brings life the way I see it in other people. Rather than judge them, go, hey, I want everything God has for his children. But here are the very people who are supposed to represent God to the community are actually persecuting God because, because he's acting like God. He's persecuting Jesus because he's acting like the Father would act and doing good. So Jesus says this, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. So here's an important point. If you think I'm so horrible and so evil, where did the power come from that heals the sick, that opens the eyes of the blind? that allows people who are unable to speak to speak, to, to heals people who are possessed or, or, or at least demonized is a, is a good term in the Bible. They're being oppressed and they're being attacked by spiritual forces. And it brings freedom to that. If I'm doing that, I can't do that by myself. I can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus stays in a very important place. I'm just here to obey the father. I'm just here to live, to love, to serve, to care like our Father does. So what do we learn from this story in John? We, we, we learn from the story of this paralyzed man certain things. He was honest about his situation. Where are you today, January 1st, 2023? This new year is starting. And you have a chance to start it differently than any year before. But where are we now? Am I paralyzed in some area of my life? Am I broken in some area of my life? Am I great in some area of my life and I need to tap into God's blessing in it? Where am I in this situation? Where does my faith need to expand to receive the new thing God is doing? Am I willing to believe, particularly in those areas where I haven't seen as much fruit, I haven't seen as much life, I haven't seen as much breakthrough? Am I willing to believe again this year? It was felt foolish last year to believe. It felt foolish the year before that. It felt foolish to believe the year before that. Am I willing to be foolish enough to believe again? Uh, recently in our church community uh, at Kalang, I was talking about how uh, in Isaiah it says to look to Sarah and to Abraham. Well, what were Sarah and Abraham like? They were people who were being told they're going to have children when they're 75, and they don't see those children until the, the father, until Abraham turns 100 years old. Can you imagine when you're 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83? And you're telling people, I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a child. I'm going to have a child. You're believing God when nothing supports the idea that God could still move. And yet he still can. Do we believe that? But even as we're believing and willing to believe for that greater thing, let's not be like this paralyzed man who almost missed an even bigger moment. He might almost missed his day of visitation. More important than getting my healing, more important than getting my miracle is the miracle of relationship with God, a relationship that changes me from the inside out, 
a relationship that gives me hope, a relationship that gives me life, a relationship that gives me direction and wisdom. Even in the darkness, I can move forward because he is the light within us. Are we going to respond like the religious leaders did? They prioritize their own rules over relationship. They prioritize their own rules over the health and life and blessing of one of their brothers. Are we going to persecute rather than praise God for what he's doing? Will we be like them and position ourselves as judges rather than humble ourselves and go, Lord, teach us. Let us learn from the graces around us. Let us learn from the miracles you're doing around us that we might move forward in your love and in your grace. And finally, do we learn from Jesus? He served compassionately. When he sees this guy, he reaches out. He sees the father reaching out to help those who need help. So he reaches out to help those who need help. He spoke truthfully. Uh, If you really go through all the passages and later passages in the story, he says some very harsh things to people. He says some very truthful things to people. Uh, But he always speaks the honest truth. Hey, I'm doing what the father told me to do. I'm not going to hide from anybody the reality of what God is doing nor am I going to try to twist things or turn things or move aside from what God's really saying just because it's more comfortable. No, I'm going to speak truthfully, but I'm going to speak truthfully because I love compassionately and I want to see you change. Ultimately, he fully obeyed the Father. One of the like rally cries of my life, I want to go where he says to go, do what he says to do, say what he says to say. Fully living out the Father's purpose for my life. If we do that, we'll see grace and we'll see life. So let me summarize by answering this question. How do I rise? Jesus speaks this man, rise, take up your mat, walk, rise, get into the new calling, get into the new destiny, walk into your miracle, do the thing that God made you to do. How do I do that? Uh, Let me just share one more passage and we'll close our time together. It's from Mark chapter nine. Jesus is speaking to a person who's desperately in need of a miracle, but hasn't received it yet. And he says to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I love, it's a father crying out for his son and he's desperate for healing. He's desperate for deliverance. He's desperate for breakthrough. He needs God to move, but he's honest enough to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's my prayer, that that would be our rally cry this year. Lord, we believe, we're full of faith, we're desiring your great things, but help us. We are dependent on you, pouring out your spirit, pouring out your, 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 your belief in us, that you would stir faith in us, your word would come alive in us, that we would believe so much that you're doing great things on the earth. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us, God. Strengthen us. Give us your voice. If we hear that word rise from you, that we would hold on to it, we'd believe for it, and we'd walk in it in 2023. As we're coming to the end of our time together, I just want to remind you about the taking of communion, the practice of proclaiming Jesus by taking the bread, which represents his body broken for us, and taking the cup, which represents his blood shed for our sins. Why do we keep talking about that and doing that? It's a reminder of why we can believe. We can believe because Jesus came first, and Jesus lived a life of perfection, poured out that perfection on us by dying on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead to show he had power over death, power over hell, power over any sickness, any disease, any demonic force. He has life in himself that he's offering to us. As we take communion, we remember it's not about our strength or our ability. It's the ability and life of God and the spirit flowing through us 
that's going to enable us to rise this year into everything that God has for us. So God bless you as you start 2023. Let's go in the power and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.